Amelia McCary. I am an MD candidate in Scranton, Pennsylvania at Geisinger Commonwealth School of Medicine and a student editor of In Training Magazine. I'm here today with Sarah Epstein, author of Love in the Time of Medical School, Build a Happy, Healthy Relationship with a Medical Student. Sarah, welcome to this In Training podcast. Hi, Amelia. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you. Um, can we start off with having you tell us a bit about yourself, where you're from, uh, what you're doing now, and how you decided to write this book? Sure. Um, so I, uh, I live in Philadelphia. I'm currently finishing up my master's degree in marriage and family therapy uh, here in Philadelphia. And uh, I'm married to a second-year emergency medicine resident. Uh, we met before... We actually started dating when he was studying for the MCATs. And oh, wow. Yeah. So right off the <laughs> bat, there was, uh, I was kind of thrown into this world and wondering what I had gotten myself into. And as we went along through medical school, uh, he was at the University of Miami. I kept thinking to myself that there was so much I wish I had known about what it means to be with someone who is training to be a doctor, what it means to be the partner of a medical student, what the culture is. And so I started writing things down. Um, and pretty soon I realized that I should probably ask other people that my experience was not the experience. So I right. started interviewing. Yeah. So I started interviewing other people. Um, uh, about two dozen interviews later, I said, well, maybe I should see if there's any research on the topic. Um, and it turns out there is a fair body of research around medical marriage. So I kind of put those three elements together, and here we are. Very cool. Yeah, the book is, I, I did read it, and I, I found it really interesting. You know, now your uh, husband is already a doctor, but at the time that you decided to start writing it, it was about being a non-medical student and dating a medical student. Yeah. Uh, because that relationship is similar to your experience. So I was wondering, like, when you were, uh, as you talked about, talking to other students and significant others for the book, did you consider any other relationship pairings? Um, and if so, like, why did you decide to roll them out? And do you ever think about researching or writing about different relationships in the future? Sure. Um, so as a training couples therapist, I definitely think about writing about other types of relationships in the future. In this particular mm -hmm. case, um, it was, I think the book was a little bit of a, of me processing the experience and, and I obviously knew the most about my own circumstances. So that's kind of where it mm -hmm. started. Um, I did talk to people over the course of interviewing who were medical students dating other medical students, but it wasn't quite a, I wanted to make sure I wasn't relying on one or two cases to make generalizations. So I didn't have quite the, the amount of data that would have, uh, I think been fair to write about. Um, so kind of being able to supplement with my own experiences and other people. I had a number of friends and uh, who knew people I could interview who were also dating medical students. So kind of using my network and branching outward, it was a, it was mm -hmm. an easier starting point, I think. That's awesome. Okay. Um, so I like that you outlined throughout the book, um, 
decision-making processes to keep in mind both as a med student and as a significant other of a med student. So mm-hmm. can you give us an example of a time that you and your partner utilized one of these decision-making processes um, or uh, an example from your friends that you interviewed? Sure. Um, so I think the first one happened early on, uh, early on in, in the process when Brian was, my husband's name is Brian, when he was, uh, when he was getting ready to send out medical school applications. Um, this okay. was kind of the first time that we were uh, facing what it, what it's like to be someone making a decision about medicine that we realized was going to kind of affect both of us. Um, right. Yeah. So it, that was the first time I realized that our relationship, we were put in a position to have to make relationship decisions when we might not have been ready for it. Like we kind of have to go on medicine schedule. Medicine says you need to make a choice about where you're going to live. So you got to have a conversation as a couple about where you're going to live. Um, mm-hmm. you have to make a decision about who gets a say, who gets a say in where you apply to medical school. How do you sit down and have a conversation about where we are as a couple and what that means for one of your educational decisions? So mm-hmm. for us, it meant, uh, you know, back then we hadn't been dating, uh, for that long, it'd been maybe a year. And we decided that this was something that he was going to do for himself. Uh, And once he got his offers, we talked about it at that point, what might make sense for both of us. But that Mm -hmm. was very different than four years later when we were sitting down to uh, discuss the match because by then we were engaged. So that became much more of a, what do we want? Where are we going? Mm -hmm. And I was applying to graduate school at the same time, uh, which is... As the math? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, Not quite couples matching, but it was incredibly (laughs) stressful in its own way. We actually actually bought a map of the United States and pinned it to the wall, cross-referenced our programs, and put pins in all the cities. That's cool. Yeah. Our landlord wasn't incredibly pleased but you know <laughs> so okay so um you went to Brandeis together for undergrad and then um did you immediately move with him to Miami or was there a time when you were long distance so yeah we, we met at Brandeis um right before his senior year and uh he ended up taking a year off to do research but by the time he started a medical school. I had also graduated, um, except I moved to Thailand after. Right. I I read that. (laughs) Yeah. So, so we, we decided to go big and do long distance halfway across the world. Um, (laughs) we were 12 hours apart, uh, living completely different realities for that first year. So a year you were in Thailand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we, we had to navigate, you know, we can't talk between the hours of 12 and seven because with a 12 hour time difference, one of us was asleep. Um, Mm -hmm. We had to navigate, how do we stay connected 
and feel close to each other and each other's experiences while navigating long distance? How do we continue to bring meaning into the relationship when we're not, we're not sharing experiences? Yeah. So something you talked about with, uh, you know, staying close to each other um, was the one sentence method, which mm. for our listeners is writing down one sentence about your day each day. Um, it could be in an email or a note or on the refrigerator, however you want to do it. And I thought that sounded like a really sweet, succinct way to keep up with someone and hear about their life while also filling them in on yours. So I was wondering how you came up with that idea and uh, did it work for your relationship? Yeah. So I actually, um, I went to, I think you can buy them online, but I, I just went to a store and found these little journals. I had seen once that said they were called one line a day diaries. And I guess the idea is that it can be hard to sort of catalog your day <laughs> extensively. But one of mm-hmm. the things about being long distance is that when you do connect the things that are lost are often those little things, those funny moments, those, oh yeah, this reminded me of something we talked about. Those little things that are, are sort of at the core of your relationship rather than talking about, well, I went here and we did this. Um, right. Yeah. So seeing that one line journal uh, in a store led me to buy two of them actually. And um we, before I left for Thailand, we, we each wrote a whole bunch of notes, uh, throughout the journal at the bottom where, where it wouldn't interfere with writing. And so each of us each day would open the journal and we would write one sentence about our day, uh, something funny or something interesting. And along the way, we would see each other's notes and doodles and drawings, um, and there were weeks, you know, he was a first year in med school. There were we- mm-hmm. weeks when we didn't get to talk that much. But at the end of the week, we would send each other these, you know, seven lines that, that were about our week. And in the meantime, we were still getting to share those little inside jokes. Um, I love that. That's really sweet. Yeah, like it worked a lot. Really well for us. That's really cool. Um, so throughout the book, you reference your own relationship, but you also manage to keep the advice really straightforward and kind of um, encompassing to the general reader so mm-hmm. I, um, so that it could apply to any couple uh, going through a similar situation to your own. So were you mindful of keeping your own relationship stories to a certain limit throughout the book, and how did you find the right balance of sharing details while also giving broad advice? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I definitely wanted to include my own experiences. Uh, I think there can be something really validating about hearing someone else tell a story that you read and say, oh, yep, I've been there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's sort of a relatable, you know, normalizing element by having those stories in there. Uh, and I actually experimented with including more or fewer of those stories, but it was important to me to, to not limit the book to people exactly like me, you know, and, and interviewing, the more I interviewed other people and the more I read the research, the more diverse it felt like the audience I was talking to, right? People who are dating med students can be doing any range of things, you right. know, any number of genders, religions, races, just across the board. 
So it was important to me that I, I, I sort of try to speak as generally to the range of experience while still kind of keeping it a personal tale. Yeah. I thought you, I thought you found a really good balance with that. Thank you. Um, also throughout the book, you use quotes at the beginning of each chapter, uh, citing authors such as John Steinbeck, Pat Conroy, others. Uh, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed them and their connection to the chapter that followed. How did you choose the quotes? Mm. Well, I'm a, I'm a huge Pat Conroy fan. Um, oh, really? Just, yeah, yeah. He was he was my favorite, and I actually got to meet him once, which was very cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, they were generally things I had read before um, and underlined in books that I had read that resonated with me. So I was able to kind of go back through what I had read and, and see what in my own experience had would be applicable and, and make sense here. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. So um, in the book, you talk about competitive stress and how people in a relationship similar to yours might get into, um, you call it a spitting contest type of scenario where each person tries to share more and more stressful details about their day in order to kind of prove that their day was worse than the other person. And you provide some thoughtful advice and suggestions on how to change the course of these conversations and offer validation to your partner while also giving yourself the opportunity to vent. So um, can you tell us about a time when you've used tactics like these and you found them to be successful in de-escalating this kind of competitive stress? Sure. And, And the thing about competitive stress... Competitive stress often manifests when two people come home, everyone, both of you have had a busy day. Um, You know, for me, when Brian was in medical school, I was working uh, and Mm -hmm. I had some really stressful days at work and Brian would come home from his third year or fourth year rotation. And uh, we both had stressful days in really different ways. And you kind of come home and want to just spill about it a little bit. But if you both try to do that, if you try to do that at the same time, what ends up happening is that you kind of start talking over each other or, or, or kind of not taking the time to sit back and really hear the other person's experience. And the, the especially challenging thing when you're dating a medical student or now, you know, a physician is that no matter what your experience is, a, a medical students or physicians will sound more dramatic if they're if mm-hmm. they're in the clinical stages. I mean, there's just you know it it becomes sort of an uneven situation because no matter what you say, if someone's patient died, you sort of start to feel like, well, my thing's insignificant, right? right. The fight I got in with my colleague is insignificant, but it didn't feel insignificant right? It was significant mm-hmm. to me. And, and so one of the things that Brian and I have had to work on over the course of med school and now our professional careers is separating those conversations. So making time and making space, sometimes verbally, uh, for one another to discuss what went on that day. Okay, we each have things we want to talk about. I want to hear about yours, and then I'll tell you about mine. And make room for us to each respond to each other rather than 
including them in kind of the same conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that idea a lot. Um, did you draw the comics in the book? <laughs> I, I drew them originally. Uh, and then, oh, really? Yeah, I like them. Thank you. I, I drew the originals. Um, it was very romantic. They would like randomly come to me during my honeymoon. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for better or for worse. They, so, we, <laughs> so I drew them out, but, um, I'm not, I'm not quite a, a great cartoonist. So I actually found someone who, uh, sort of re-rendered them for the book. Oh, very cool. Okay. Well, um, that was another another cool thing that you incorporated throughout the book. I liked that. So also you reference a lot of different conflicts that might arise for medical students and their significant others, such as uh, scheduling, time commitment, um, designating chores, financial concerns, and among a whole host of other things. But um, based on your personal experience and the experiences of the couples whom you interviewed for the book, um, which concern do you think is most divisive for couples, and how do you suggest dealing with it? Mm. So I think the most difficult thing for couples uh, has to do with making time for the relationship and making mm-hmm. time for each other. Um, for the partners of significant others, that generally manifests in dealing with the loneliness that, that comes with dating someone who's working such long hours. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's dealing with the guilt of wanting that person's attention and time when it always seems like studying for an exam is more important and more urgent. Um, And that sense of waiting that comes from you having more time than your partner. So that, that experience of sort of sitting at home and wondering when they'll come home. So Mm -hmm. those elements of, of navigating time are really stressful for the partner. And then I actually had a med student friend tell me, um, about, you know, the time management piece, you know, remember Sarah, the medical student both has to, you know, not spend time with you and actually do medical school. Like it's not like (laughs) they wouldn't rather be with you. Um, Right. And so I think the piece for medical students that I spoke to was the guilt around not having a lot of time the guilt of, or, or the struggle of managing that time um, and of really deciding priorities as you go, um, as it relates to the relationship. So yeah. in, ter- in terms of addressing it, there are all sorts of little ways and big ways to navigate that time issue. Um, so prioritizing it and being intentional about it is vital. Um, Medical school is different every single year. Uh, So making sure you understand for the, for both of you, what the schedule looks like and what that ebb and flow looks like is, is incredibly important to finding those times together. Um, Mm -hmm. 
So right after an exam, when maybe all the material hasn't built up yet, or during a lighter rotation, or during that, you know, that elusive winter break. Uh, <laughs> so really finding those, those little nooks of time, and then finding ways that maybe you didn't spend time together before uh, taking advantage of them, whether it's shorter periods of time in between, you know, taking study breaks or sitting in the same room and each kind of doing your own thing. Um, but for med student couples, it's often a, the thing is that you have to negotiate it over and over because mm-hmm. the circumstances, they're just, they're not the same month to month. Right, right. That's such a good point. It is a really um, variable schedule the whole time. Yeah. So if you're, especially if you dated before medical school, if you were used to kind of like, well, we both do things during the day and then we come home at night. I mean, it's dizzying to try to keep up with a med student schedule. Uh huh. Um, So you discussed the difficulty of choosing a specialty um, and for your husband to focus on, um, you know, doing well in his rotations and maximizing his shelf exams and his board scores and institutional exams. Um, What specialty did he end up choosing? Uh, We did talk about this a little bit in the beginning, but how did this specialty impact your medical school relationship and also your post-med school relationship? Sure. So uh, my husband's an emergency medicine physician. He's a second year resident right now. Um, There were a number of ways in which we talked about his choice and how it would impact us and our lifestyle. Um, When he was a third year and a fourth year, and he was, well, mostly when he was a third year, he was still deciding. He hadn't picked it for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was actually kind of lovely because he would come home and tell me about his rotations and we would parse out what parts he liked and what parts he didn't like. And so as he came to to choose emergency medicine, it felt like I had been part of that process. Um, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about, well, you know, this kind of specialty in, in his rotations, he worked different hours. He kind of liked the personality type of this department versus that department, thinking about what kind of relationship he wanted to have with patients. Um, And for us, you know, we, we thought about, we thought about how the hours would impact our life, you know, for decades to come. Now mm-hmm. it's turned out during residency, we've been uh, pretty lucky. It, it, his specialty choice has been uh, pretty wonderful for us because he's doing primarily shift work, uh, which means that within reason, I know that approximately when he'll be home and when he's home, he's, he's, he's not on call. Um, so there's not this fear that at any moment he's going to have to drop everything and go into work, which has yeah, been, that is awesome. yeah, it really is. And, um, so he, the other thing is that, um, because he's in the emergency room and different people come in every day, I don't have to hear the same story over and over about one specific field. He sees everything. Um, mm-hmm. And 
So for me, as the person who he comes home to every day and tells me about his day, it doesn't get old, right? Because I get to hear about old, young, old and young patients, heart issues, lung issues, um, all kinds of stuff that walks into an emergency room. So that's been really fun, actually. Yeah, that's true. There's there's so much diversity there. That's cool. So um, I guess getting to kind of the end of the book story, um, so you end up leaving Miami, and um, you mentioned that you moved to Philadelphia. Um, so was that was the location that Brian matched in um, the one that you two had chosen together, or was this more of his decision that you in turn supported? How did how did that match process end up concluding for you two? Yeah. So I was, so as I, I said, I had, I was applying to, um, training programs. I was applying to grad school. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, he knew I had moved to Miami to be near him. I didn't know anyone in Miami. I had no relatives. I had no friends. I had no connections. Um, and so he was really cognizant of that fact when we were crafting our rank list together and the fact that in all likelihood, um, no matter where we ended up, he was going to get good training based on his options. Um, and that might be less of the case for me in the programs I was applying to. So mm -hmm. my training was a top priority. Um, which, Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And where did you end up going? Uh, I'm at Thomas Jeff. We're both actually, <laughs> not only did we end up in the same city, we are at the same institution. We're both at Thomas Jefferson University. That's awesome. That worked out so well. Yeah, it's pretty oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes on the way, he'll be on his way home from a night shift because um, my classes are right near where he works. So he'll be walking home from a night shift and I'll be walking to class and we'll, you know, high five as we pass. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today, Sarah. Um, I loved our conversation and I really enjoyed your book. So good luck on its release. And I look forward to uh, reading more from you in the future. Thank you so much for having me, Amelia. This has been great.